The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. This is the story of the lost son from the message translation. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who had assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, the older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the houseboys, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef. Got to be in Texas. (laughs) Because he is home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to go in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look. How many years I've been stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores, shows up and you go all out with a feast. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. 
He was lost, and he's found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, Severio, but I find myself in that passage in a lot of different places. What, what do you hear God saying to us this morning? You know, one character in the story, and this is a very familiar story. I mean, I'm convinced that Hollywood has totally ripped off this story, and every other movie is basically this story. <laughs> um, it, it's just a wonderful depiction of our reality as humans, and the reality that relationships are a bit messy sometimes, mm. and that we all live in our highs and lows, and how we deal with that. And so, looking at the response of the Father to the Son was really what stood out to me this morning. And I believe it's because, I don't know about you, if you've ever found yourself in this dilemma where you have a reason to celebrate something, something in your life, but there's a bit of guilt because you know a dear friend, a family member going through a hard time, maybe something completely opposite of what you're experiencing. Like, have you ever been in a situation where in your family there's a new birth, right? And maybe like that same week or the week before, somebody died. And so there's this tension of, of wanting to celebrate this new baby, but how do you do that? Because there's this great sorrow over this loved one that died. And so do we... Do we celebrate? Do we throw a dinner? Do we throw a party? Or should we wait? And there's that, there's always that discussion. And I believe in our journey as faith followers, we have, we find ourselves in that situation more often than not. But I think Scripture, and in the promise that Scripture points us towards, and the living God, Mm. invites us to celebrate Every chance that we get, every opportunity that we get. So I look at this father who is looking at his son who went and wasted all of his money, basically threw away half of their life, and he could have responded a number of different ways, one of which, oh, now you came home? All right. But he chose to celebrate. Now, I don't know what situations were around them. I don't know what their neighbors were living like. I don't know if, if like, he had a, a family member that was living through the exact same thing and his son or his daughter was gone and lost. But this father sees the opportunity to celebrate. Mm. Friends, we live in a rhythm of feasting and fasting. And it's important to know when it's time to do either one. Sometimes it's time to celebrate, and sometimes it's time to mourn with those who mourn. What we don't want to do is find ourselves simply existing, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to respond, because we are a people that God has created the ability to respond. That is what worship is all about. We come and we celebrate. We find 
the smallest reason, even the air that we breathe this morning, to come and give God praise. And we talked about last week how that simple rhythm of making space for gratitude, for celebration, allows us to grow in our trust of God. So we have an option. We can feast, or we can just exist. We can choose to celebrate even the smallest things, or we can allow those moments to pass us by without even acknowledging that the grace and the power and the love of God were present with us even in that moment. You know, so I, I remember um, when, when I was growing up, we didn't have that rhythm of feasting and fasting, and we didn't have the rhythm of, of faith practice in our home. Um, we attended some churches sometimes, and... Um, it was interesting, when we moved to North Houston, um, another family invited me to go to church. They pretty much insisted that I go to church, and so I started in that rhythm for the first time in my life, and it, it really was that transformation from existence to life, and it, I remember sitting at the table with my dad. He, he was um, just a little younger than I am now, and he, he was a trained engineer and had 25 years of experience, and he was laid off at 50. And what, what often happens for, for um, folks in, in that space, uh, uh, range of life is, is that they never find another job in, in their vocation, their profession, and my dad never did. Um, and it, it was just a time of, of real darkness and, and, and sorrow for him in, 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 in that stage of life. And I remember sitting with him at the table um, that was his mother's and telling him about what I had found in faith community, telling him about the life and, and the love of God that was changing my life. There wasn't a bit of food on that table, but it was a feast of life. And eventually, um, Dad walked through that grief and, and that sorrow and that pain and he found meaningful work again. Um, and he came to faith in Christ, and he joined the church. And this, this story to me calls me back to what it means to be family, what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ, what it means to baptize a child and welcome a new brother, what it means to send forth a family on a new adventure, what it means to, to be together day in and day out through our lives, through all of it, the, the great moments that we lay out 
the best feast and the moments that are heart-wrenching and, and, and painful, but we're there together because we're family. Um, it was interesting. There wasn't, I don't even know when we ate that night. But sharing that story of life with my father filled me so that I didn't even need food. It was the feast of the presence of Christ that, that we share and can know always, even in the deepest and darkest times. I think one of those growth points for us, because maybe you do this well, maybe you throw the best parties, but I think one of those opportunities for us is how we invite others to share the party with us. Mm -hmm. How we reach out and just say, you know, they may say no, they may regret or, or reject our invitation, but I'm going to invite them into the party anyways because we know that life calls for party and we might not know what they're living through. But no one has ever died of, you know, too much joy or too much encouragement or too right. much party. I mean, in the good sense, too much party. <laughs> careful, I, I thought about that Care, as careful. I said that. I'm not yeah. giving you permission to do anything you're not supposed to. Uh, so I, I want to give you an update, actually. Celebration. So, yes, yesterday, those of you that were with us last week uh, know my, my wedding china story. You know, the china that we were so afraid to ever use that it was still in the box. Um, and, and yesterday was a particular... Uh, it was a day of remembrance of a hard day in my family's life um, last year. And so I told you last week that, you know, we, we get to do things that remind death, that death doesn't have the last word. Yes. And for us, it was finally getting the china out and using it. And so, uh, Pastor John, I don't know if there's ever been... Uh, fajita tacos eaten in fancy China before, but here in Beaumont, Texas, Amen. yesterday, we made it happen. Uh, but here's the growth point for me, and the growth point for all of us is I, I, I fell short in inviting someone into that. Hmm. I should have done that. It was our moment. It was really our moment, and it was our moment to celebrate and to give thanks and remember and, and uh and I don't regret any of that, but I think if I would have done it again, we have several pieces of this china. I mean, I, there's still set. some, there's half of it is still in the box. I mean, I'm, I'm playing it safe here. So what I want for you this week is to ask yourself, what can you celebrate? What can you celebrate? And number two, who can you invite to celebrate with? Now, I want to I sing you one, one last word. Be free of the guilt mm -hmm. of celebrating your celebration in the midst of someone else's season of sorrow.
This is not a competition. This is not showing off anyone. In fact, the more we gather, the more we will realize that our celebrations and our sorrows are really woven together more than we realize. The fabric of our lives as a body of Christ, as a community that loves Jesus together, are really interwoven more than we realize sometimes. And I bet if we make space for more celebration, if we make space for getting the china out more together and eating tacos or whatever it is that you make that it's fabulous, we'll get a taste of that. We'll get a taste of heaven. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.